Welcome back to the Speaking and Communicating Podcast. I am your host, Roberta Angela. If you are looking to improve your communication skills, both professionally and personally, this is the podcast you should be tuning into. Communication and soft skills are crucial for your career growth and leadership development. We are currently looking for professionals or entrepreneurs who would be willing to discuss their communication challenges on this show. All the details of booking a spot with me are found on the show notes. And by the end of this episode, please log on to Apple and Spotify and leave us a rating and a review. Now let's get communicating. Now let's get communicating with Chase Neely, who's here to talk to us about how to leverage your brand, your personal brand. Chase is the president founder of Leverage Brands. He is a former intellectual property attorney. And if you're wondering how those two worlds merge, you're going to find out. So stay glued to this episode and help me welcome Chase Neely to the show. Hi, Chase. Hi, Roberta. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm excited that you're here too. Thank you and welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, it's an interesting story. I I like to say it's the conventional story of a career. You know, I went to school here in Nashville at Belmont University for music. And after that, I went to law school, uh, like you do, you know, from music to law. (laughs) And somewhere in the middle, I was an intern at Thomas Nelson, which is now a part of HarperCollins, as a digital marketing intern. And when I came back to Nashville after law school, uh, my first job was at an author management company where I was the social media specialist, or at least that's what I was hired to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I worked as the social media specialist and eventually replaced their outside firms that they were working with as their legal counsel as well. And by the end of that company's existence, I was the chief marketing officer and general counsel. And then after that company dissolved, my business partner and I started Leverage Brands to help authors, speakers, and other message bearers reach as many people as possible online. Even the company itself, it's interesting that with such a legal background, very different from social media management and marketing, they still gave you that chance. Why do you think that is? I think that as a lawyer, you have to have an entrepreneurial mindset. Some of the best entrepreneurs that you know in your life probably are attorneys. And that's because they're always responsible for making their the business for themselves. And so the people who are attracted to that are also attracted to kind of entrepreneurial endeavors. And I think marketing is a key entrepreneurial endeavor because it involves testing and iterating. You can't be afraid of failure. You have to keep having new ideas right? And so all of those skills kind of meld together. And I was not afraid to explore both of those at the same time. And I was given the space to do that, to your point, Roberta, which I'll always be grateful for. But it's not as far off as it seems if you take kind of the 30,000 foot view looking down on a, on those two careers. Uh, and they really complement each other nicely. Mm, which we're going to learn from you today. And then when it comes to, like you said, not having the fear of failure, which is kryptonite to a lot of us. How does law school then teach you to go past that barrier, so to speak? Oh, that's so interesting. Um, I was at a writer's conference this weekend and there was an author who's written over 200 books. Um, They've all been published. He's sold 70 million copies uh, and he's one of the people we work with. He said, 
I tell people that you don't overcome fear, you embrace it. And that fear makes you do your best work because it makes you humble knowing that you're not the best at what you do, but it also makes you willing to fail, willing to do all these things because you know that you're giving it your best effort. And so for me, it's not a much overcoming the fear of failure. It's embracing that fear and using it to spur me on to do great work and to do work that I'm proud of, that I can stand behind regardless of whether it succeeds or fails. And would you say that also the legal profession, one thing that it teaches you, other than the embracing the fear of failure, it also teaches you to present, the, obviously, the winning argument where you convince the jury to take your side. And having that skill will then help you determine how do I present myself for a winning brand? That's right. There's a lot of strategy that goes into the legal world. There's a lot of strategy that goes into those opening and closing arguments. Uh, and I really loved that part of law school. We had a practice court session where um, we got to say lines like the opposing counsel is going to be up here and they're going to tell you a really nice story. But as we all know, stories aren't true. I'm here to tell you the truth. And you get to present things that uh, black and white, you know, and you get to use that persuasiveness and that's copywriting, right? That's, that's just exactly. copywriting yeah. every day. So uh, it's really interesting and astute that you noticed that about the two professions, they really overlap nicely in that regard as well. Exactly, because you are competing with other people who are marketing themselves with other brands. And so how do you convince whoever goes online and says, I'm looking for a public speaking coach? to say Roberta is a better one than that guy. That's so right. So go to her. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yes. And so what is the first step? First of all, in thinking of yourself as a brand, because when I was growing up, I'm South African. And instead of calling it toothpaste, we say Colgate. It's the most popular. You know what I mean? So that's how powerful that brand is. We used to call every other toothpaste, even if it's Acrofresh, You'll get me some Colgate, just the Aquafresh version. <laughs> the example here in the south of, uh, of the United States, Roberta, is Coke. If you request a soft drink, yeah, people will say, what kind of Coke do you want? And you can say <laughs> Dr. Pepper or you can say, you know, 7-Up or whatever else. But that Coke has that ubiquitous brand like you're talking about. And I think when people think personal brand, they also think that really strategically thought out and really presented well ubiquitous thing like Coke or like Colgate. And really what it comes down to is it doesn't have to be unapproachable. Your personal brand is who you are. Mm. And so when you can connect missionally to who you are and why you were placed on this earth, what you were called to do on this earth, you naturally form a personal brand. And I would challenge anybody who thinks they don't have one. You do have one. You just might not be aware of it. Those people around you are aware of it already. And you maybe just need to ask them, hey, what is my personal brand? If you think of me, what do you think of? And there right. might be core values or core messages in that they think of when they think of you. But it's an approachable thing because it is who you are at your core. And if you can define that core message, if you can define it, then you can start to move forward and present that to people in an intentional way. And I think that's the big thing. You have a personal brand now. It just might not be intentional. So let's make it intentional by focusing on your core message and then finding the people for whom that core message helps. Intentional about it. Does that mean first and foremost, my first step should be, I went to law school like Chase, 
So my brand starts out for me being a lawyer. How do you get started to establish, like you said, okay, so you're going to ask people you are close to, you're going to check, did you study this? And sometimes a lot of us think, whenever people talk about purpose, do I even know what my purpose is? Yeah, you're exactly right. And I think you have to start asking yourself a really hard question. And that question is why? Why am I here? Why am I pursuing a speaking career? Why am I pursuing these things? And you, you answer that question on the surface level, and it might be to provide extra income for my family, or it might be to get my message to as many people as possible. One of those like general overarching things. And then you say, why do I want to do that? And you get to an underlying reason. I grew up in a place where we didn't have extra income, so everything felt tight all the time. I don't want that for my kids. Why do you feel that way? And so you ask yourself that why question until you get to the root reasoning behind what you're doing. It's called the five why exercise. I didn't come up with it. Google it. It's online. But it, it's something that allows you to really cut to the quick of why you're doing what you're doing. When you take that intentional time to think through that, you're able to craft your personal brand in a way that's authentic. Because I think that's the other thing. People are trying to have a personal brand and they present something to the world that's not really them because maybe they don't know. To your point, Roberta, they don't know who they are. But if you take the time to know who you are and why you're doing what you're doing, then you present an authentic personal brand that people will resonate with, regardless of whether you have successes or failures, regardless whether you rise or fall, they're going to continue to stick with you because you have been authentic to who you are. Authenticity, which is another challenge because a lot of the time when we hear these huge success stories of billionaires, it's a very short summarized version of Jeff Bezos started Amazon at a garage and then how many other years later he became the richest man in the world. We hardly hear of the muddy, messy middle. Mm. That's why when we think to ourselves, okay, I aspire to have that financial freedom and whatnot, but when everything is going wrong, you think, am I really going that direction? Yeah, it's so good. That same author I was with this weekend, he has written 209 books. They've all been published. Wow. Um, he sold over 70 million copies. 63 million of those came from one of the series that he did. And so he was talking this week. He said, people think I wrote that book. And they ask me the question all the time. Was that your first book? He says, no, it was my 125th. Wow. Yeah. His name's Jerry Jenkins. It's his 125th book. And we see the 125th as the first one that takes off and the overnight success. But the reason that the overnight success is a news story is because it's so rare. It mm. usually takes years and years and years of practice to get to the point in your career where you're at that level of success that people think is the overnight success. But it's because you've put in the work in the messy middle, like you said. That's so good. I'm glad you brought that up. Mm. So his why, you were talking about the why. How many whys did he ask himself while writing the first 124 books and he kept writing? He must have had a very strong why. I, That's right. <laughs> why do I keep doing this? If I haven't had the success or accolades or whatever else, why do I keep doing this? It's surrounding yourself with people, Roberta, like that. And you know this, but it's okay. surrounding yourself with people like that, that encourages you to stay true to your why when the things get tough, when times get difficult or when you can't see the end or the light at the end of the tunnel and you have to surround yourself with those people to support you and to cheer you on because they've been through it and they get it but that messy middle is what makes or breaks your success 
But the reason that it makes or breaks your success is because it challenges you to your core of who you are and why you're doing it. And if you know why that is, that why can carry you through that messy middle. Okay. And let's talk about how the why now influences how you shape your brand. You said be authentic. Don't be a polished version of them. And we always talk about this when talking about public speaking to say, if you're listening, do you prefer listening to a speaker who's polished, everything is perfect, and he was the most perfect pressed suit, doesn't make a mistake, doesn't stutter like Roberta, or do you prefer one who might make a mistake once in a while, make a joke about it sometimes and say, hey, you know, I messed that up. Okay, let's carry on. Which speaker do you go out of the room remembering afterwards? That's right. The authentic one, right? I think those polished speakers and some of the speaking coaches turn them out, you know, and they all have the same things that they stick to in the speech. What did we get about this? It's boring. It's like, in my essay, I'll explain to you why X, Y, and Z happen. And then you go through X, Y, and Z. And by the end you say, and this is my conclusion. Um, (laughs) And you don't want that, right? You want that authenticity. You want to be able to, to get to know a person from the stage or from behind a microphone so that you can identify with them. And as you're getting to your why, what you'll understand then is why you're doing this leads you to understand how you can help people. Because really, that's what it comes down to. If you're doing it just for yourself, it's not going to sustain you. It has to be for something greater than yourself, in my opinion. And so if you go beyond yourself and you're trying to do something greater than yourself, you're speaking to help people, right? You're writing a book to help people. Right. And then you define your message, not as a mission statement that's internal, but as one that's outward facing. And so this writing coach who has written all those books now you go to his website, it's not about him and all the books he's written and all those things. His headline is, let me help you write your book. It's his mission, but it's external about how he can help you. And so if you can make it external, then your core audience will gather around that, rally around that, and they'll want to continue to follow you. And that's what a personal brand is all about, is getting that tribe around you so that they'll continue to follow you and help you continue to get that message to as many people as possible. That is so true. And don't they say you will reach financial freedom and be wealthy by helping more people get what they want? That's right. That's right. And it's by what you give away, right? The great secret in content marketing right now is that the best at it give away 98% of their stuff. I will teach you to be rich. Ramit said he always quotes that stat because he's proud that he's giving value. He's giving away value, 98% of it. But that last one to two percent is the nuance that speeds along your process mm-hmm. so that he can he can actually help people maintain and achieve those results in those last two percent. And that's what people pay for. But they do that because they trust what he has already given them. Right. And also back to Jeff Bezos' example, when you talk about a tribe based on your whys and how you present your brand. Sometimes I think a lot of us, the reason we are not clear on our brand, we think every single person on planet Earth is potentially my customer. Like everybody orders from Amazon. I'm never, (laughs) you know what I mean? So we think in order to be successful, let me just be so general that somebody must come in. You know, that's a mistake, Roberta. I appreciate you (laughs) setting me up for that. That's a home run, right? Because what did Amazon start as? It sold books. It didn't start for everybody. It was just a bookstore, right? 
the online bookstore. And then once it reached success there, it expanded and expanded and expanded. And now everybody goes to Amazon to buy whatever they need. But oh. it started as a bookstore. And that's what we tell everybody. You got to go deep in your target audience first. And then you accomplish breath after success, after you find that target market fit. But you have to go deep first. And so with your core message now in hand, that's outward facing and telling you how you're going to help people. Then you, you then say, okay, with this message, where are these people online? Where can I go find them as specific as possible? And you can expand later, but getting specific will help you penetrate the noise that's out there of the generalist who just says, my message is for everybody. I can help everybody. Well, I can help everybody too, but I'm going to start by helping authors market their books. That's where we started with this Every Step Counts. I'm going to start by helping authors build their platform. And then after that, we can help brands build their platform and we can help strategy with companies for how their digital marketing efforts will continue to grow their businesses. But we start with the author. That's right. Find your tribe, your what we call your avatars, people who are attracted to the brand you present and how you're going to help them. One of my mentors recently said this. She said, a lot of people, and we hear this a lot, multiple streams of income, Chase, do this and do that and do that, you know, all over the place. But if you do one thing, you can have multiple streams of income from that one thing. And I think that's a lesson that a lot of people still haven't mastered yet. That's good. You think about a speech. A speech can be a video series on YouTube. A speech mm -hmm. could be the basis of a membership site. A speech could be a book. Mm -hmm. A speech could be a coaching curriculum that you pitch to companies or whomever else. And so, yeah, it's one idea, but that idea has so many different ways it can make income today in the digital space that you're really not limited by the one idea. That one idea actually is what carries you through to get to as many people as possible because it gets you to your best person first. And that best person becomes your mouthpiece across their spheres, spheres of influence. One moment you're doing speeches, the next thing you're doing car repairs, the next thing you, I don't know what it is. But anyway, yes, that multiple streams of income is, we're not saying is a bad idea, but when you are known for one thing and that's your brand, and then you branch out from that, from the root of what your brand represents. Yeah, that's right. You know, in Nashville, we have a lot of great speakers here. We have John Acuff and Donald Miller and all these great guys, a lot of great women as well. But you think about Donald Miller and mm -hmm. he has really gone all in on the story brand idea, which is a great idea, right. but it's one idea, but because he's willing to go deep on it and explore the full breadth of what it could be, he's making a huge business just based on one idea. And you can do the same thing. You mm. just have to find a critical mass of that person who's your best customer, your best target avatar. And if you can do that, you'll find success a lot quicker than if you try to reach everybody all at once. Yes, that is so true. And that's what your brand will be known for. And then let's talk about writing a book. First of all, why do you think that that's one of the key ways in which to expose your brand to the general public or to the market? That's a great question. I didn't write mine on purpose. This was an accident. We work a lot, like I said, with Jerry, and he had the opportunity to do a creative writing program for a university. Mm -hmm. And we were helping him put that together. And then we were looking at the book marketing material out there and we said, well, a lot of it's okay, but it's not exactly what we would teach. And so I went to my business partner and I said, Hey, we have to write a book in the next, I think it was 
two months at that time. Wow. <laughs> we wrote the book based on like the 10 years of knowledge and uh, we put it out there and the, the school's using it and they're enjoying it, which is great. It's helpful, which is great. But the reason that a book works as that is because it's a tangible first impression of your brand that you mm -hmm. can hand to somebody. And it becomes a tip of the spear to say, hey, I want you to read my book because I think it would help you. I think it would help the people that you're around. I think it would help the conference. I want you to read this book and tell me what you think. And for better or for worse, right now, people still give a lot of credence to having had a book written. I can tell you it's an arduous process. It's not easy to sit down and write a book. You have a time limit, which is not how I recommend doing it. But <laughs> it is an arduous process. And so people recognize that you are committed to your idea when you hand them a book that you have. That's about the idea that you're trying to pitch them for, whether it's for a speech, whether it's for a speaking engagement or whatever else. So I do think a book is a great initial impression to hand somebody to say, this is what I'm about. This is how I can help your people. And it gets you in doors you wouldn't otherwise get into. Right. And would you say that it also helps you put together your ideas in a structured way? That if somebody says, Roberta, how do you help people? If I think the book, because my mind is, a, I'm a scatterbrain, is all over the place. In a book, it will be like five steps here, do this here, and it even help me with structure on how, when I'm supposed to talk about the work that I do to help people, I can say that in a more coherent way, so to speak. Yeah, that's really good. And it's funny because that's what we've been talking about this whole time. It's that intentionality. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of us, as we're working and as we're hustling, we don't take the time to think about what we're doing or why we're doing it. So writing a book, you have to have introspection. You have to sit down and say, how the heck am I going to say this to somebody so that they can actually receive it, understand it, and then use it. And so you do have to have that intentional moment of thinking through your idea or your thought process or your system or your consulting package or whatever it is so that you can continue to help people in written word that doesn't have the context of you and I speaking to each other. Uh -huh. That's a really good point. It's, it's another example of being intentional in communication, just like you're intentional in how you craft your personal brand. And would you say since everybody seems to be, not everybody, but you know what I mean? Everybody seems to be writing a book lately. You know, sometimes people get worried that, oh, the market is saturated. This is saturated. So if I write a book, does that mean everything is going to be saturated? Yes, the market is saturated. Let's just go ahead and get that lie uh, or this fear out of the way. Yes, mm -hmm. the market is saturated. The market has been saturated uh, since the advent of eBooks, really. And even before that, because of the proliferation of publishing companies. Yeah. I, I think the only time the market wasn't saturated is when Johann Gutenberg had the only prototype of the printing press and he was the only one printing books. Like that's when the market was not saturated. <laughs> Because he could only do one at a time, right? Right. Now, the market is saturated. And that's a good thing because it means the cream rises to the top. Mm. And so if you have something that's going to cut through the noise, if you have a unique message that's going to help people in a unique way, that's going to cut through. You just have to make sure that it's great. Great is the standard. It's the bar. Anything not great will get ignored. So make it great. Good to great. Yes. Yeah. And then beyond that, beyond it being great, you have to be great in your execution of getting that book out there as well. Yes. Let's use this podcast, for example, speaking and communicating. I've had guests who are potential guests who approach me because the word communication, 
I don't know what you think, Chase, about it, but it is so broad. Mm-hmm. Like there are so many elements to communication. There's even animal communication. And I've had an animal whisperer, I think, wanting to be on the show because that word is just so general, so broad. If I were to say, for instance, write a book about communication, such a broad subject, and there've been millions of book, books written about it, what will make mine a little different from all the things they've said before? I think there's a couple of things. Number one, none of those other ones was written by Roberta. Oh, okay. <laughs> and you are unique. You have a unique message to share. Otherwise you wouldn't be doing this because it wouldn't be as heavy on your heart to get this message out there, right? And mm-hmm. so that passion is a Roberta specific passion and that makes it different. Right. So that's number one. Number two, you can differentiate your book in any number of ways to make sure that it's getting to as many people as possible. But the best way you can differentiate it is for the content to be great and the marketing plan to be great. And that will separate you from 95% of the other communication books that are out there. Mm. And there's a thousand ways to make your marketing plan great. There's a thousand ways to make the content great. That's not where the magic is. The magic is in implementing a great plan on a great book. And if you can do both of those things, you're going to be separated from 95% of the noise that's out there. Absolutely. Yeah. Because something has to differentiate you from everything people have heard, which is, as I said, it's you. Mm-hmm. Would you say that your story, your background, not background, that's going to sound like I'm talking about school, but your story, your why, back to your why, which you said earlier, would then be the reason and you must use that to be the foundation for writing your book and whatever concepts you want to cover there. That's exactly right. And I think to take that one step further, it's also what will keep you moving and trying to get that book out to as many people as possible when it doesn't have the results you think it should on the first run or on the first pass or with the first people. You know, I think when we talk about launching books and every step counts, which is right over my shoulder, that's a yes. shameless plug for you. This will be on YouTube so everybody will see it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But I think that one of the things that we talk about in there is a minimum. If you're doing outreach for your book, a minimum is a hundred names that you're going to reach out to. Uh, And a lot of people would stop at 10. A lot of people would stop at five. Some people might stop at one, but if you don't stop until a hundred, you're going to have some indication of the market's response to your book. Mm -hmm. You're going to reach out to different people to feature your book or to interview you or whatever else. And if you can do that consistently in a planned way, you're going to understand just from a math standpoint, Hey, on a hundred names, I converted two people in the sense that I got on two podcasts or I got on two blogs or whatever else it is. Hopefully it's more than that because you learn along the way. Yeah. But then you can also say, if I want to be on 10 podcasts and I got two out of the first 100, then I need to do 500 more. I need to outreach to 500 more. And so you can know your numbers and build that, but your why carries you through to do those 500 outreaches. Mm-hmm. And would you say, I know that those numbers that you've given, those estimates are not too far-fetched. It is quite, you know, the conservative estimate. And so would you say anybody listening, thinking, okay, I'm going to write a book. Would you say to them, the end goal is not to write the book to pay off your mortgage or go on a, <laughs> a Bora Bora vacation, but it's the stepping stone to now increasing your brand, opening doors, like you said earlier. Yeah, I think 
if that's why you're writing your book, let me just tell you very directly to your face. If that's why you're writing your book, you won't even finish the book. Because oh. writing so hard, maybe you go to chat GPT and you say, throw out 30,000 words about this topic. And that's how you write your book. <laughs> but that's not going to go anywhere either. You have to have a why that's deeper than that to sustain you through the process. Because even writing that book, we had two months. And I remember being in there and being like, I don't think I have anything left to say about this. And then you cut through that and you get to the next idea that you're like, oh, we have to include that. Okay, so we'll, we'll get that through. And that's another 5,000 words or whatever it is. So you have to have that why sustaining you. And that why is also going to be what makes you successful because it will carry you through the whole process. But yeah, don't set unrealistic expectations. That's very rare to pay for your vacation house in Borneo or whatever it is, you know. <laughs> That's exceedingly rare. You can't plan for exceedingly rare. You can't plan for cultural phenomenon. You have to plan for what, what you can measure. And then if it goes beyond that, great. But plan for what you can measure and make sure your why will sustain you through that very practical and reasonable goal. Right. Let me ask you one last thing, Chase, which I think you might be able to help us with as well. The elevator pitch. So if I have this one line short sentence of, so, Berta, what do you do? They say, you know, you sit somebody next, next to someone in business class and you want to impress them. They say, oh, so what do you do? What is that one short sentence? How do you craft that knowing your why and why you help people and the, all the things we've talked about today? That's such a good question. And I love that question because we have taken the elevator pitch concept from a book idea to a business. What is the elevator pitch for your business? What is your elevator pitch for your speaking business? Because you have to be able to say that and make it compelling. And we challenge our, our brands to get that to one sentence. We want it to be one sentence. And some of the brands that we have worked with in the past and we no longer work with, they couldn't get it to one sentence because they wanted to help everybody. Yeah, exactly. But even us, we've had to challenge ourselves on that. And that's why we went through a rebrand over the past six months. We said, it's not clear enough what we do. And so we need to be very clear about what we do so that we can help clients. And we have made it our name. We leverage your brand. That's what we do. Yes. And that's why we're leverage brands. That's our Definitely. sentence. It's got to be that punchy. It's got to be that succinct so that you can cut through the noise again with clarity of purpose, because that's what people are looking for. They want you to be really great at what you do and know it, like know what you do so that they can push you forward as the solution to their problem. Jerry, let me help you write your book. We have another brand. It's called Better Songs. Let me help you write better songs. I mean, these things mm. have to be that specific so that you cut through the noise and people know what they're going to get from you. Exactly. Yes. It, it should be short because sometimes they say, I help people do this and this and that so that when this and this and this happens, I'm going to solve the problem like this. And then it's a whole paragraph underneath your name on LinkedIn. That's right. That's right. <laughs> And meanwhile, the people reading it are looking at their watch saying, I think it's, I, I have to go. We're past the first floor. We, we got to get to the, yeah. Yeah. Get off yeah. The elevator. Right. Chase, are there any last words of wisdom you were hoping to share with us today? Anything I didn't ask you? The only thing I will say is this. It's so overwhelming sometimes to think about your personal brand and to think about, is it really worth doing what I'm doing? And what I want to say to you is this. You are called to this or you wouldn't be listening to this podcast. You want to improve your work on this, or you wouldn't be listening to this podcast. So continue to listen to great education, like from Roberta, to help you get better at what you're doing. Because the world needs your message. And if you don't persevere to get it out there, nobody else will. 
you're the one to carry it and you should you should persevere excellent stuff thank you chase you actually do tell us that we should tell ourselves the world needs me mm-hmm. and i know some of us haven't really got that down to a t just to realize wait a minute the world needs me we think it's just for certain special people that the world needs them you are a certain special person roberta <laughs> i would venture to say <laughs> your audience you. as well so yeah the world needs you mm-hmm. the world needs your message get it out there the world needs you indeed words of wisdom from chase neely the president and founder of leverage brands we leverage your brand thank you so much chase for being on our show today this has been awesome my pleasure thanks for having me again my pleasure as well and before you go where can we find you on the socials and the interwebs so that we can learn more about leverage brands love it well you can find me number one at leveragebrands.co not .com .co slash pod and i've actually opened some time to talk to your people Uh, if they want to jump on a quick 15 minute consult happy to talk digital marketing strategy core message grab some time there we'll talk digital marketing strategy we'll talk core message whatever you need to talk about i've opened up 15 minutes of time for you there and then number two i'm on linkedin linkedin.com slash n slash chase neely and i think that's the way that they do it now but happy to talk to you there as well thank you so much for the free consultation so leveragebrands.co slash pod for the free consultation that's right and then linkedin chase neely thank you so much chase for being on our show today this has been insightful indeed my pleasure thanks for having me my pleasure thank you for joining the speaking and communicating podcast once again if you are willing to be on the show to discuss your communication challenges and see how we can help please book a slot on my calendly and the details are on the show notes We are so glad that you've joined us. We have more special guests who will be sharing more leadership tips and strategies on this show in this month of February in addition to our first couple interview who will be discussing the role that communication has played in their marriage. So stay tuned for more episodes to come. Music